Hi, this is Justin. Today on Theocast, we have a conversation about the hope of heaven. And you can't have a conversation about the hope of heaven without being honest about life in this world. And we live in a world where we bury our children and only an insane person would look around and say that things are as they should be. Mm. So what hope can we have in this life under the sun? John and I today, we're going to talk about that hope, that hope has a name. And he has said that he's going to bring us to be with him where he is. We believe in a God who is going to make all things new and wipe all the tears from our eyes. If that's something that you need to hear, as it's something that John and I needed to talk about for our own souls, stay tuned and listen to today's podcast. We hope it encourages you and comforts you in the midst of your affliction. If you're new to Theocast, you may not have heard of this word. It's called pietism. You ever felt like the Christian life is a heavy burden versus rest and joy? That you wake up worrying about how well you're going to perform instead of thinking about what Christ has done for you. It's dread versus joy, really. That's pietism. Pietism causes Christians to look in on themselves and find their hope, not in what Christ has done, but what they're doing. And we have a little book for you. It's free. We want you to download it. And we're going to explain the difference between pietism and what we call confessionalism. Reformed theology, really. How it is that we walk by faith, seeing the joy of Christ. And when Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest, what does that look like? You can download it at our website. Just go to theocost.org. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a confessional, reformed, and pastoral perspective. Your hosts today are John Moffat, who is pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee. And I am Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. John, we're here together in the same location because we have just finished the founding event conference charter meeting thing. Yeah. The Grace Reform Network. And it's been a good few days. Yeah. It's been good to be together. It's been really sweet to be with like minded people and a number of like minded pastors. It's encouraged my soul. Yeah. Um, I'm the singing was, oh was pretty goodness, epic. The singing was incredible. Shout out to yeah. Jeremy Bryant for that. Yeah. yeah. And it's wonderful to hear the saints sing, right? <laughs> it was great. Uh, what an encouragement it is. Yeah. And we're tired physically, but yeah. we've been preparing for this episode and we'll talk about what that is going to be about in the moment. And I'm happy to have this conversation. Yeah. And uh, yeah, mean, I know you have for a those that they're only listening to this episode, if I don't mind jumping in. No, please. Um, we've been praying and talking about GRN for a very long time. And it it's to the glory of God that we did. We had 10 churches yeah. sign. Yeah. And it's part of the network. We, we talked about how we've intentionally, we're trying to do this slow. We're trying to do this thoughtfully. We're trying to yeah. do it well, start it small so that we can do this in a healthy manner. But I, man, yeah. When that moment happened, when at the end of the the business portion of our time today, when the, the representatives, we're going to have signees come mm-hmm. sign the document. That was a very sobering and and kind of thrilling moment. Like, whoa, this is coming to fruition. Years, years yeah. of work. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, God pray, praise praised. the Lord for that. Yeah. If this is new, you don't know what it is. Um, Grace Reform Network is a, obviously a, a network of 1689 yeah. Baptist churches. professional churches. Yeah. And hopefully the Lord will continue to grow as we plant and add more churches. And so that you'll be able to go to the website and see if there's a church near you if you move or looking for a church. So 
Yeah, we're continue to pray for us. If you'd like to support us, you can go to the website. Grace of Forming. You have any announcements Theocast related? Uh, well, we had four lectures and four panels and multiple Q's and A's and discussions uh, about law gospel teaching. Everything we've been announcing in that if it's not available, it will be very soon on the website. Or for those of you that are part of the community or haven't joined the Theocast community, you can go there and listen right on your phone. So if you haven't joined the community yet, I think it's at six, maybe 700 people in there now. Mm-hmm. And it's just um, a, a great place with all of our resources, but more importantly, a community of people who love Reformed theology and resting in Christ. Yeah, we're- that's it. That's all I got. Cool. We don't have a title for this episode right now. We're going to come up with it after the fact, but we've had a really sweet conversation, mm-hmm. you and I, and then a couple of the guys here with us about the hope of heaven, mm-hmm. but maybe even more specifically, the hope of heaven when we contrast that with right. the vanity and the hopelessness that we often feel in this life. That's right. I said it that... Ecclesiastes has always been one of my favorite books in the scripture. Mm-hmm. And that perhaps says something about my frame, mm-hmm. but it's always resonated with me, the words of Solomon regarding the vanity of life on earth. And, you know, it's kind of like he says things that we as Christians, at least in the polished, put together American Christian thing, it's like, but bro, you shouldn't talk like this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's as though he says, well, this is how things are. So what do you have for me? Yeah. You know, and we're going to get into that subject matter. I know in the conversation, but we, we want to talk about the reality of suffering and pain and the fact that this is not our home mm-hmm. yet. There are times for a whole host of reasons, our sin, the deception of the enemy, we get very comfortable here, Yeah, but there is a homeland that we're waiting for. And we are awaiting the return of our savior. And he has said, he's going to bring us to be with him where he is. That's our hope. Yeah. And so just, we're going to talk honestly about suffering and pain and the reality of life in a fallen world, but yet the hope of heaven, the return of Christ and everything related to that. Yeah. And I, I'm feeling this in this moment. I know you are too. And I Absolutely. hope this is encouraging to the listener. Yeah. yeah. Acknowledging pain and suffering is uh, goes against the modern context of the American Christian life. Uh, we try to avoid as much pain and suffering as possible. And I'm not against that. I mean, I, I love modern technology and all that. But what I mean is the actual frailty mm-hmm. and the, the realities of suffering and death, mm-hmm. right? Um, to spare details and protect people, you and I were both just discussing circumstances in our congregations. Yeah where there are is grief. And, and I don't I don't mean grief like I lost I lost my cat. I mean grief like I lost my child. Yeah. You know. Right. Um grief like you're mourning a parent's death or cancer or there um there is a reason why the Bible often and and repeatedly points the believer to something and I love how it says new. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not just a little bit better. It's new. Mm-hmm. It's a new creation where the old curse is not involved, Amen. where death yeah. not will not remain. Yeah. So when you're thinking about, I mean, if we're just going to be frail and open with our listeners and with Which each other, we should. Um, there are times, uh, there are things in this world 
that bring us joy. My yeah. children, my wife, yeah. my church, um, GRN this weekend. And uh, I, the reason why they bring me joy, it's because of how they're connected to Christ, mm-hmm. right? And the Lord's goodness to you. Exactly, right. exactly. Um, but <laughs> when when you remove yourself from the temporal pleasures of this world and you open your eyes to the reality of what really happens. Um, I'll, I'll say this, this is super dark and, and, but I'm going to say it anyways. If I were to die at the same age, my father passed away. I have seven years left. Right. Seven. He's been, he's, he's been gone for 21 years now. Right. And um, there's something morbid, but yet very, realistic about the experience of my life from now till then. Right. You know, it bro in a similar way. I think my my parents are aging Mm -hmm. and I think about the ages at which all my grandparents died. That's right. And I'm do, I do the math on a regular basis. That's right. Of, well, if my mom or my dad die at this age that my grandmother or my grandfather died, then this is how many years we got left, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, this is how we live. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and death is, Sometimes people want to treat death as something we celebrate. Jesus didn't. No. He you wept know? over it. Exactly. Right. De- death is sorrowful. Right. Now, to be clear, Paul says we don't we don't weep. Right. And and there's a sense in which death for the Christian it, it's needed because we're actually going to be set free. We'll no longer be dragging the corpse of the old nature around. That's why we still need to die. So there is a sense in which death for the believer is not to be feared. And yet, because it is this ripping apart of the physical and then the spiritual pieces of who we are as humans, it's a harrowing thing. Yeah. 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 There's, um, there's a, as there's even a command from Paul, it says, weep with those who are weeping. Right. Yeah. Um, Romans says not not only does the creation mourn, but we mourn. We groan right, inwardly. Man. Yeah. It groans um, and we do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that there's um not intended to have this in this podcast, but I'll mention it now. There is um there's a secret theology of glory mm-hmm. that comes in mm-hmm. and it and it destroys those who are suffering. Let me put it this way. If um if you've ever if you've ever been in deep, deep, dark bouts of grief. Mm-hmm. When you're around people a lot, they don't like it. Mm-hmm. And so they'll, they'll still say things that think will wipe the grief away. Yeah, You know, think about heaven or think about, you know, they're not suffering anymore or, um, you know, whatever it is that they'll, they'll try and kind of give a little bit of an antidote or they'll tell you, you should be over this by now mm-hmm. as if somehow grief has a time limit to it. But brother, it's as sudden as laughter. Yeah. It just comes upon you. That's right. You know? Yeah. yeah. When I, when I describe grief, um, to people, grief is living with a constant limp. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like losing a part of who you are. It's like when people have an, a limb amputated. It's a phantom pain. Yeah. Right. If, if, it's like, you, yeah, you no longer have your arm, but you feel as though you do and mm-hmm. it hurts. Yeah. yeah. And being able to sit down and look someone in the eyes and says, right. I do not understand your pain, but I am willing to grieve with you. Yeah. There is an instant sense of comfort of not being alone. Most people who grieve, they suffer alone because for whatever reason in our culture, uh, we want to move back into pleasure, yeah, and we want to move back into 
uh, not living in reality because yeah. reality causes us to force, it forces us to deal with death and no one wants to think about death. Yeah. I have so many thoughts in my mind. I mean, it's even it's so, Justin, I'll just say this now, like yeah. Israel was forced to live amongst the death, mm -hmm. the sacrificial system. Right. Our culture barely even sees death's but, body anymore. Sure. And of course the, the sacrificial system and the death that was perpetually around Israel is teaching them this is what the wages of sin is. Right. Right. And yeah. in order to atone for sin. And but that's applicable in this conversation because all of the suffering and the pain and the fact that this world is not our home is a result of the curse. Mm -hmm. And it's a result of what sin has done. Therefore, we need to be delivered from this. Right. Right. And Christ needs to return to make all things okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, he comes to make his blessings flow. Like I'm joy to the world, right? About his second advent. That's right. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Right. That's, right. That's what we are hoping for and longing for. That's right. You know, you're talking about how people. I trust that people mean well in some senses. And I think you hit on something that's also true. We're all selfish. Yeah. And, and to be around people who are grieving and heartbroken is uncomfortable. Yeah. And so a lot of times it's self-serving in the ways that we say these things that it's like, oh, well, you know, like in a better place or yeah. whatever. And so in some senses, good intentions, in some senses, self-serving motivations. Well, welcome to the paradox that you know there's always a mixture in what we do. But but don't you feel better when I send my thoughts your direction? Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm appreciative of your thoughts. Uh, man, it's... So I quote it all the time. Uh, C.S. Lewis, he wrote a book when his wife died mm -hmm. called A Grief Observed. That's right. Now, he didn't even write it under his own name at the time because he was so concerned about what it would do mm -hmm. to the faith of people who had read many of his other works. Right. Because it's very raw. Right. And he has a quote in there that is very, uh, it's, it's excellent. He says, talk to me about the truth of religion and I'll listen gladly. Mm. Talk to me about the duty of religion and I'll listen submissively but don't come talking to me about the consolation of religion or I will know that you do not understand. Mm -hmm. And even in the conversation we're having today about the hope of heaven and the hope of Christ's return, we are not for one second saying that it just takes the pain away. No. But it does give you a filter to push the pain through. Mm -hmm. Right? And yeah, it, yeah go ahead. Man, I, so there is... um. One of our elders who was in Afghanistan um, during the, help me out, Andrew, what was it? It was the uh, Gulf War, thank you. Mm -hmm. And um, so Gulf War, wrong, wrong location. But um, he said when they were there, they were given zero timelines of how long they would be there to serve. And it created despair in the soldiers because they didn't, they, there was no end in sight to the pain mm -hmm. and to the suffering and to being away from their families. Um, there, you and I are both away from our homes and we know what tomorrow brings, right? Reunion, restoration and rest mm -hmm. with our, what brings comfort to us mm -hmm. in, in our homes. And <clears throat> it's interesting how the scriptures encourages that. Yeah. Like there is a limit to the suffering and what comes is not 
supposed to be mysterious in its full form. It, it is actually something to long for. I mean, yeah, even, know. you know, Peter talks about set your hope fully on the grace that is to come or Colossians, you know, when it says that we are looking where upwards, we're looking mm-hmm. towards Christ where he is seated. That's where we're setting our, our hope fully up into the heavens, right? right? right. Or the new heavens and the new earth. Right. And we do know that there's a time limit to the suffering because there's a, there's a death date waiting for us. Uh-huh. And so when Jesus comes to his disciples, warning them about what they are to face, he says, look, don't, don't put your treasures here. Yeah. Cause they will absolutely yeah. destroy you. Where does it say, put your treasures yeah. in a place where the hope is. Yeah. And where nothing's going to destroy that. Hope. That's right. We tend to hope in this world too much. And that's very easy in particular for American Christians mm-hmm. where we're thankful, John. I mean, we were saying this, we're thankful for common grace. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense in which, you know, even kind of living in this Ecclesiastes moment, right? That it's a good thing like for us to enjoy the work of our hands and to enjoy good food and good drink and good friends and loved ones, because this is good for man. And yet Solomon says, it's better to go to the house of mourning than it is the house of feasting, right? Why is that? Well, I mean, it could be put this way. You know, we live in a world where we bury our children and only an insane person Mm -hmm. would look around at this and say, this is as it should be, right? Yeah. We all feel that. We do. Right. And so why is it better to go to a house of mourning? I, again, we're not trying to be dark in this. It, it's actually, it's, isn't it interesting how in having a conversation about the hope of heaven and the hope of Christ's return, you cannot help but have the really dark conversation about this world. Because everything right? is turned so, upside down. Right. So I was saying to you guys before we recorded, and maybe this is something about my frame, but I think a lot of people live here where... When the times when I am most encouraged and gripped and moved by the hope of heaven and the return of Jesus is when I am faced with either the reality something has happened or I am gripped by fearful, harrowing, haunting thoughts of the people I love the most dying. When I think about whether it's it's my parents or my wife or my kids and something happening to them or... Um, I mean, even, you know, honestly, I mean, McKenzie or you, or mm-hmm. it's just like when, when those thoughts haunt you, there's something about them. It's terrible on the one hand. And on the other hand, it's like, all right, I'm faced with a decision here. Uh, what do I believe? That's right. About life after the grave. That's right. That's right. Right. Yeah. I mean, eternity has been written into man's heart. Mm-hmm. Now it's been done in such a way where man cannot know what God has done from the beginning to the end, but it has been written in our hearts. That's undeniable, I think, for for all people. But as Christians, what do we believe? That's right. And those, in those moments, I'm thankful that the Lord is so gracious because in spite of any instinct that I would ever have, like other humans might, to just distract and flee from it, in those moments, I think I am most inclined to lean into the words of Christ. That's right. My, uh, you know, you, you cited Peter, and I can't remember what else, Colossians. Mm-hmm. Colossians chapter yeah, three. Yeah, so for me... The the two two of the verses that I mean, well, three passages, they're all in John's gospel mm-hmm. for me. When I when I'm faced with these things, I mean, one maybe obvious is in John eleven, where I mean Jesus is around the entire the death of Lazarus and Martha and Mary, they're they're mourning and they're weeping and and his word is just that I'm the resurrection and the life, you know. It's like and it's like I don't know everything 
And my faith is often weak, but I believe that. That's right. And then John 14, you know, that I am, I've gone to prepare a place for you. It's where I'm going to go. And I wouldn't tell you that that was the case if it wasn't true. And it's like, Jesus, I believe you. And you say that you're going to come and you're going to bring me to be with you where you are. It's like, I trust that. <laughs> yeah, I know we're going to cry. Uh, John 17, 24, you know, that Jesus is praying to the Father that we would be with him where he is so that we could behold his glory that was given to him before the foundation of the world. The Father hears that prayer. Mm. And it's like, yeah, I trust Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to deliver on this thing. My faith is weak. I doubt a lot. Mm. But at the end of the day, where else are we going to go? That's right. Amen. You, you have the words of eternal life. Right? Amen. Amen. Sorry to be so emotional. No, about no, no. It. You're it's, good. It's brother. good. <laughs> hey, guys, real quick. Some of you are listening to this and it's encouraging to you, but you have questions. So where do you go? How do you interact with other people who have the same questions and share resources? We have started something called the Theocast Community. We're excited because not only is it a place for you to connect with other like-minded believers, all of our resources there, past podcasts, education materials, articles, all of it's there, and you can share it and ask questions. You can go check it out. The link is in the description below. One of the things when we were discussing this episode ahead of time is there is... Um, there is a, there is a, there is a tactic of Satan that has worked the prosperity. Now we mostly speak to an American audience. We do have a lot of people outside the world, but primarily an American audience. And yeah. the American culture in many ways is freed from a lot of the pain and suffering that the world experiences. For like, sure. Like you and I have actually never had to bury a dead person. Like physically ourselves. No, not you had to touch them, move them, put them there. Right. But a yeah, lot because of, there are people that do those things. That's right. Us. Thanks, bro. Um, when I was in college, I worked for a hospital. One of the jobs that I had to do was transport parent, patients from from the um, from the operating room. And I, within my first few months, we had a fourteen year old girl that had passed away, and I had to I had to deal with it. And that was my first experience of actually watching someone go from life to death within minutes. And I remember just walking back in the locker room and just crying because I was overwhelmed. I, I had never seen someone right in front of me leave. Mm -hmm. They were gone. Yeah. Right. And um, about two years later, three years later after that, I, I experienced the same thing with my father and watching his lifeless body within, he was alive. And then like two seconds later, he's not. And, there's that frailty that happens where everything around you just becomes meaningless from a physical realm. And what's so hard about Christianity in America is we try and console ourselves yeah. with the physical realm constantly. Yeah. And the hope that is brought to us has nothing to do with the natural. I mean, even when Jesus says, set right. your hope not on the things of this world, but on the things of another world. And we can't think of another world, right? And so when someone comes to me and, and they're, or we're sitting in front of them or we're sitting in front of each other and we're trying to console each other, um, it's not going to get better. Not here. Um, right. 
you know, we're not going to get through this. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't even know what that means, yeah. right? Yeah, like uh, with all due respect, what are you talking about? That's right. <laughs> right. But what we do is that we consider how to encourage one another. Yeah. And we sing and we pray and we uplift yeah. and we look and we look lift our eyes right. to the hope, right? right. Where the, the hope comes from something far beyond the grave. Amen, brother. It, you know, we talk often about how confessionalism is unapologetically otherworldly. And we talk often about how whether it is a, a material prosperity gospel or even a, a spiritual version, so much of what exists. And so the prosperity gospel, like materially, we, we can kind of throw that aside. I, I don't trust any of our listeners are, are wrestling with that. No. But I trust that many people who are listening to this podcast either are in or have come from an environment that is effectively an easy listening prosperity theology that is of a spiritual kind. Right. Right, where you are told that if you do the right things and if you discipline yourself the right way and you uh, reflect this way and your affections, you get those in order and you apply this the right way, then you will become so spiritually strong that you will live above the fray and you'll be impervious to it. That's right. And you won't feel the depth of things that we're talking about right now because you're just going to be so spiritual. That's right. It's like, that's not helpful. No. In reality, what we need to say is that this religion called Christianity is not about this world at all, actually. That's right. It's about the world to come. It's about an other world, like a different one. And we're preparing ourselves in our gatherings every Sunday and in the ways that we live as a church. We are preparing ourselves for that world and that life. It's not about this one. That's right. And we've said this before, we're trying, as far as this life is concerned, we are trying to obviously rescue as many as we can. But then ultimately of those who are rescued and brought in to this thing that is the church, this, this hospital, this haven, this outpost of the kingdom of God, like as many people are as brought into this thing, we're going to help one another die with hope and dignity. So that we might transition and pass from this world to the next. So we're reading the the Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> it's all good, brother. Uh, at home, and we're just we just finished the Voyage of the Dawn Treader not long mm. ago. Mm. And you know, there's that gripping scene where Reepicheep <laughs> is passing into eternity. <laughs> if you right. haven't read it, sorry, any spoiler alert, sorry. Uh, but man, it's so incredible. We were talking about this on Monday. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> I mean, not only you can talk about like the transformation of this character over the course of several of the novels and different things, and then how he is so eager to pass into, into eternity. And then of course, not that many pages after the, 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 the ship reaches this shore and they, they go ashore and there's, they're invited to come by a, a lamb who is cooking fish. Hey, come and have breakfast. And, <laughs> and then as they're standing there, behold, the lamb becomes a lion, mm. right? And he's there with them. It's just like the whole thing. I'm reading it to my children. I can't even make it through it. And I'm like, guys, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but this is, this is what we're talking about, That's you know? Right. Uh, That's right. It's an otherworldly thing. Right. And it's, yeah. there, there, is a, there, is, there is something gripping about, like some people then say, what, but why? And it says, because... Because Christians can offer the world something that's more than sex, money, and fame. That's why. Yeah, exactly. Because what that's what Americans are doing right now. We are we are trying to find. We're trying to fill the void of pain and suffering and loss with sex, fun, uh, fun, money, and entertainment. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to do, and it doesn't work. 
And then Hebrews comes in and he says, but you have a great high priest right. who knows your frailty yeah. and you can go to him and he will hear you and he will comfort you with his words and Amen. with his spirit. Amen. And that, that you then can take this to every suffering person who is under the wrath of God, who was trying to get out from underneath the wrath of God by means that will never happen. Amen. And you can give them a hope that says you are going to continue to suffer and die so you have two options, yeah. your way or the way of the sympathetic high priest Amen. who loved those who believe in him. He he dies for them. And there, there comes a moment where the church goes from, hey, let's get together and figure out how to have a good time to when you have people who are suffering, you can say, let us weep and let us hold each other as we long for the king to return. Amen. Right. Let, yeah. let us actually, you know what? Uh, um there's a song, man, you're going to have to help me out. I can't think of it. But he says, our suffering is not wasted. Right. Uh, so, yeah, Christ is mine forevermore. Uh, mine are tears in times of sorrow, darkness not yet understood. Through the valley I must travel where I see no earthly good. But mine is peace that flows from heaven and strength, and mine is strength in times of need. I know my pain will not be wasted. Christ completes his work in me right? The one who for once, once and for all time made a sacrifice for sins and sat down, you know, who's perfected for all time, those who are being sanctified. And like that's Hebrews 10. That's right. Hebrews 11, right? There's the beautiful passage of how, like, there are those who they're looking for a homeland. And if Canaan, like, right, those who had, had faith in the Lord and they died without having fully realized what they were hoping that's for. Right. That's right. And if, if they had been, they were looking for a homeland and if Canaan had been it, right? That's one thing. But as it is, they look for a better country, a heavenly one. That's right. Right. And the Lord, therefore, is not ashamed to be called our God because we long for that heavenly country and he's prepared for us a city. That's right. We're pilgrims. I mean, we talk about this a lot. We're pilgrims and sojourners in this life. And I think we need to take that to heart a lot more than we do because we feel too at home here. And it's, I'm not meaning to like rebuke us all, but I mean, on the one hand, yeah, we, yeah, we, we, yeah, should, be rebuked, we right? should be rebuked. Because, well, and yeah, there's that. There, there's another thing I'm you were talking about earlier, the illustration of one of the, the elders at your church who had fought in the Persian Gulf War. Yesterday, uh, we're here for GRN, right? And um, I, I was preaching a sermon yesterday evening and we were all here kind of for the dinner break here at the house. And uh, I had to go upstairs to look over my notes and you guys were all down here. And I could even up there, I mean, I put my earbuds in, but I could still hear just like the roar of laughter. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, last night and every night after this event, and I trust even tonight, That's right. as tired as we are, there's going to be a lot of laughter. Yeah. And I can't help but think of how effectively what this is. Like we as believers in this life, or for those of us here, we're, we're pastors. We're engaged in the fight. You watch the, you read the war novels or you watch the war movies. How often are there, for whatever reason, when I think of war stuff, I often go to the trench warfare of World War One. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. horrific, man. Yeah. Um, I just have these images of like dudes in these trenches and it's wet, it's cold, it's, there's barbed wire everywhere, there's bullets flying, it's just death, it's terrible. But yet there they are sitting down in the trenches in these, these brief moments of reprieve, smoking a cigarette, telling stories and laughing. Yeah. 
right? And it's kind of like what we do here. It's a, br- a moment it's, of break. Right. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a merciful distraction. And it's like, yeah, we laugh and we enjoy one another, but let's not get this twisted. So here's a moment. In terms of what we're doing. Here's right? a moment of vulnerability for me. Um, there are times when I am at home walking through the kitchen after a long day of work and I'm just carrying a ton of burdens, a ton of weights. And uh, the proverb always comes to my mind, you know, there's, there's laughter is a medicine. And I just laugh. Like, I just, I just laugh. My wife's like, what's funny? I said, and then she goes, oh, and it's just, there's just a moment where I start thinking about all of the weight and all of the, and it's like, I need a break. I need a break from this. And it's just this weird habit I've started. Andrew's been around me where this has happened. I'm just like, I'm just laughing. Like, this is nuts. Yeah. This is so hard. This is so crazy. Like I need, I need a break from this. And it, it's that, that it's that longing. It's that pressure. It's that. And so anyways, we're going to have to come to a moment where we wrap this up. And so I do, I have a, I have a final thought and I'll, yeah, please, and, I'll, and I'll throw it over to you. Um, to the person who maybe has kind of dredged along with us. And this is just more of, I think Justin and I just, I, I just wanted to talk to the person who's suffering, man. I yeah. just want to talk to the person who just, um, ah, got to make it through this episode. You know, I last year I had the weird and unique privilege to speak to a hundred parents who had just lost or about to lose their child to, to incurable brain cancer. Yes. Yeah. I go, what do you even say, right? Um, typically when you and I start a sermon, we'll start with something that's funny and light and then kind of move into the heavy. And you just can't do that. You know, um, I might be a more intense person, but I know I, your, your point is still made. <laughs> um, and I stood up there for the first time and I almost was speechless, you yeah. know, just for a moment, because then I, I knew what I needed to offer them. But looking into the eyes of people who literally are asking you, please, Please make sense, right? Just make sense of this for me. And what I told them was, this world is is under a curse yeah. and it's broken. Yeah. And unfortunately, we don't listen to our father when he tells us this. Right. And we begin to believe the lie that we can live in glory now. And when what Satan does is he puts you way, way up on a pedestal. And when you're finally up there, he comes and just knocks it out from underneath you and you land flat on your back Mm -hmm. and you can't make sense of up and down. And um, what, what scripture allows us to do is walk through the suffering without removing the pain, but walk through it with hope. Yeah, amen. And so if I can just end my thought here is that, I don't, I cannot offer you the restoration of the child or loved one lost. I cannot remove experiences and abuses. I cannot pull back your history. I can't do that. But I can give you something that is not natural. Right. It is from God. Peace that flows from heaven. It's powerful. And it's so powerful, it's described as divine power. And it's called knowledge. And that knowledge is this, that God will wipe away all tears and he will make all things new. And it's not possible. It's actual. It's not hopeful. It's going to happen. And so when you 
remember that God put together the church and the church's point is to come together, not to talk about how to have a better life, not to talk about how to get better. The church is to come together to talk about the hope they have beyond the grave. This is why Peter says, set your hope fully, not half, not when you need it all the time on the grace that is to come. Amen. My closing thought was going to be Revelation 21 and 2. Mm. I mean, you, you said it. It's at the end of John's vision, you know, he he sees a new heaven and a new earth. And he sees the the holy city, the new Jerusalem, right, coming down out of heaven from God. And you know, we've said it in many ways related to many things, but my gosh, how how hard do we try, bro, to turn this world into the new Jerusalem? Can't be done. Right, it, we await the return of our Savior, who will bring, quite literally, bring heaven to earth. That's right. Right. Yeah, and then there's a loud voice that comes from the throne, right? And he's he's restating there in Revelation twenty one three what he has said so many times and has promised so many times throughout the scriptures that he will dwell with his people. Amen. Amen. Right. Amen. And then in terms of his presence, so. I'm not going to say a lot about this. I was in a conversation recently about heaven that was perplexing to Mm -hmm. me and troubling to me on a number of levels about how there's a sense in which believers, it's not like just anyway, like introducing doubt and well, not doubt, but introducing like a little bit of this kind of fear component of what it will be like when Christ comes back. Mm -hmm. He makes I'm like, all things I'm like, new. Bro, so. bro, I mean, I, I'm looking at this. It's like, uh, what will the what will the Lord's presence be like for his people when this happens? I mean, when he says, I'm going to be with people. The like, one so, who is gentle by the and way, lowly at heart. Well, that, but also <laughs> the one who throughout, because of sin, I mean, if you think about the the arc of biblical, like the redemptive history and the biblical narrative, there is always this, this, this issue. God can't be with people, hmm. right? Because he's holy and we're not. And, and this is why all the blood and the death, like in Israel, like you said. But now, of course, when Jesus dies on the cross, that curtain, right, that had separated the presence of God from his people, it's ripped in two from top to bottom. All right, but then at the end of all this, when there's one, that verse three of, of Revelation 21, I heard a loud voice from the throne. Mm. This ain't no weak thing. Man. I mean, this is, <laughs> I heard a loud voice from the throne. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Now, all right, is, that an, is that a frightening thing mm-hmm. for us? Is that a terrifying thing for us? If we're all honest, deep down, there's something about that that's like, I don't know. <laughs> because so much of what I read in this book is about how he's holy and I'm not and I deserve, like I can't, I, I'm gonna be incinerated in his presence. That's right, yeah. Then you have these these dudes that in the name of being an evangelical pastor just reintroduce fear into this whole dynamic of standing before him at the end of it all. But what does verse four say of Revelation 21? Is this gonna be frightening? Far from it. And it's like, Lord, may I believe what I'm about to read. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's his posture. Mm -hmm. All this pain and all this suffering and all this sorrow that the curse has brought upon us all, he's his MO when it comes to the end of it all is to wipe the tears away, right? And death shall be no more. 
then neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he says, he's, I'm making all things new, man. Mm-hmm. And he reiterates, Re- Revelation 21, 6, he reiterates the gospel effectively. It's done on the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. That's Isaiah 55, 1. Everybody who thirsts, come. Come and drink. Jesus, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Everybody who's weary and heavy laden, come. Right, I'll give you rest. That's right, right, and then Revelation twenty-two. I, I'm just going to conclude it with this. Do it, do it. Come on. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, mm. flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, <laughs> with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Mm. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they'll reign forever and ever. Amen. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know when Justin is saying this, some of you say, I can't see it. I can't feel. All I feel is pain. All I see is suffering. And this is where the church must keep preaching the powerful message of the glorious person of Christ. And the more we see, not the natural, but the supernatural, the more we believe there is a real God who has a real Savior named Christ who will really save us, then we have hope. The moment we take our eyes off Jesus, we have no hope. So as uh, we encourage you always, if you're not in a good church, please find one that will preach to you Christ. And if you need comfort in the midst of pain, come into the community. We'd be more than happy to help. And Christ will bring us all the way home. Amen. Amen. This this has been a good conversation. I'm encouraged in my soul. We hope it's been encouraging to you. We'll talk with you next week. Maybe. I would rather talk to you. I would rather us be with him, especially after this conversation. Just in case Wednesday rolls around, Lord willing, we'll have another 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 podcast. Hey, everyone, before you go, Justin and I first wanted to say thank you. And if this has been encouraging to you in any way, please feel free to share it. But we also need your support. And it's when you give that it really helps us financially reach more people. So the next time you consider giving to a ministry, we hope that you would pray about Theocast and partner with us as we share the gospel around the world.